Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, Bhakti Ras has requested that we give you an overview of the Krishna Sandarbha so we can kind of get our consciousness back on uh, uh, Sri Jiva Goswami's uh, contribution to our <clears throat> yes it was um, contribution to our Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya which is unique his contribution is extremely unique he's our Tattva Acharya of the Sampradaya so he has a very significant position uh, that position being he being the younger of the Goswamis uh, he was there to to hear from from everyone and to assimilate the knowledge that Rupa and Sanatan had uh, given and uh, also uh, Gopal Bhatta there was a lot that came from Gopal Bhatta but not much in writing uh, but he kept notes and uh, we find in the Sandarbhas that uh, Jiva Goswami credits his Sandarbhas it's uh, he gives a lot of credit to Gopal Bhatta Goswami that uh, I've simply organized the notes of you know Gopal Bhatta into these Sandarbhas um, so this is uh, this is our position we're followers of Goswamis and the Goswamis vision is based upon the uh, dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and uh, this dispensation is unique to Vaishnavism in the world, specifically at the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent. So we don't see things quite the way other Vaishnavas see things. We see them in a very unique manner. We are striving for an ideal that allows us entrance through the practice of Raganuga Bhakti uh, into the most intimate of relationships with the Supreme Lord. Generally, when we speak of religiosity, and if we even speak of, of Vaishnavism in the world, the goals are Artha, Dharma, Karma, and Moksha. And... Um, the moksha that's desired, even if that moksha is a desire that entails an appreciation for development of a relationship with the Lord, that relationship is generally built upon a, an, a theistic understanding centered around awe and reverence. So... Gaudiya Vaishnavism does not neglect awe and reverence, but it takes it to the extreme, uh, to an extreme that's, well, it's very extreme. So this, this way of looking at things 
spiritually that's been given to us by the dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and through the literary contributions of the Goswamis is truly unique. And, of course, being introduced to Gaudiya Vaishnavism uh, through the dispensation of someone who's fully saturated in the this perspective um, and not having a cultural background that's exposed us to all the various viewpoints of spirituality that are available for Vaishnavs in the Indian culture, um, we we take it for granted that everyone sees and has a conception of the Supreme Lord the way that we've been schooled in this Krishna conception. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not every school of Vaishnavism looks at Krishna as the Swayam Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In fact, Krishna's just another avatar, they'll say. He's just another manifestation. They don't see him as Swayam Bhagavan. So, it's important for us to of course, as I said, we sometimes take for granted this Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead thing. Trying to say, well, that's the way it is. Come on. What other conception could you have? It's, it's, it's in all the books. Well, no. They don't even accept our books. Our major books, Srimad Bhagavatam. Of course, Bhagavad Gita, well, they, that is accepted. They have the Prasthana Trai. This is their this is the core of most Vaishnav traditions. Bhagavad Gita. Uh, the Sutras, Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, and the major Upanishads. Generally a hundred and eight Upanishads. So they they center their understanding of the supreme absolute truth upon a conception built on this prasthana trai. And the conception and the way that it's built is according to a sampradayic viewpoint. And that sampradayic viewpoint is expressed by a major acharya of that sampradaya providing a, an extensive world view of spirituality through a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Not the Vedanta Sutra. The, yes, the Vedanta Sutra, the Brahma Sutra. So all the Acharyas, all these lineages have a viewpoint based on primarily this commentary. Our acharyas, 
the architects of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Gaudiya Vaishnavism, they weren't even interested in taking time to provide such a commentary. And when forced to do so culturally, they just they gave it to Baladeva and to Bhushan. He's, he's well read. He could write them something to satisfy them. It wasn't like, oh, well, we must get the best scholars in our tradition together and, and provide this commentary. It was like, we don't need a commentary. The, the, the Vedanta Sutra has already been commented upon by the author himself in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. After he entered, it's a samadhi bhashya. He entered into the deepest of samadhis and saw the supreme and had audience with him and based upon that audience gave a comprehensive understanding of the supreme absolute truth based on that realization, that revelation that came in the wake of receiving a directive from his guru. You're not satisfied. Why? Well, you're not satisfied because you didn't get to the essence of things. You covered the artha, dharma, kama, moksha. You translated and provided to human society, you know, all the, all the Vedas, the four Vedas, the fifth Veda, Mahabharata. You gave them that. You gave them. So you've written all this down and you're despondent. After this, you shouldn't be despondent. You've given all of the, of the, of the copus of spirituality to to human society. Why are you so discontent? Well, Narada said, I'll tell you why you're so discontent. Because you didn't bring out the essence, that fifth goal, that fifth purushartha, that goal of the highest loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. If you can give them that, then you will feel your job complete. And he saw in that instruction and he recognized through the revelation that this would be best accomplished if he went back and represented the Srimad Bhagavatam. He'd, written the, he'd already written down the Srimad Bhagavatam, but he hadn't brought out. So it's not that this knowledge that the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavs was, is, is presenting by giving what was the dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's not that it was not there. It was certainly there in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam as given by Srila Vyasadeva 5,000 years ago. So this presentation 500 years ago by the Goswamis, this is just an encapsulation of the essence of the Bhagavat Purana. And it's unique. It's extremely unique. And that's what Jiva Goswami gives us in the Sandarbhas. If you're going to look to
to the Bhagavat Purana, you need to look at it in a certain way. Because that certain way of looking at it as given by Sri Chaitanya and expounded upon by the Goswamis is going to allow you entrance into this practice of Raganuga Bhakti, where you, at a, at, a, at a point of maturity, when you have cleansed yourself to a point of tasting the sweetness of the Lord, will want to enter into that sweetness in a specific way. And that specific way is granted through the practice of Raganuga Bhakti. What's the essence of Raganuga Bhakti? You will develop a specific desire to enter into the mood of a specific Ragatmaka Bhakti in, the, in, their, in their method of serving Krishna. <coughs> so, are we looking to be Krishna Bhaktas? Yeah, we are. But how? Because at a certain point in our spiritual, as we develop spiritually, at a certain point, we will become completely enthralled by the mood of one of these Rigatmikas. It will take us over, and we will follow it. We will immerse ourselves in that mood. And that is what is Raganuga Bhakti. In order to get there, there has to be a firm foundation in understanding Krishna. In acceptance of Krishna as the Supreme Istadev, the Supreme Personality. And that is our tradition. There are other traditions. They don't see Krishna as the ideal. They see Krishna simply as one of the various avataric descents of the Supreme Lord Narayan. Just that's that's their that's their vision. The Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami centered upon the presentation of the revelation of Srila Vyasudeva in the Bhagavat Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is meant to give us a complete absorption in the Krishna conception of the Supreme Lord. So, it's unique. It's a lot of what Jiva presents is to align our consciousness with this conception as presented in the Bhagavatam. And not everyone sees it the way we do. Like now, we're up to this Krishna Sandarbha. So this is the fourth of the Sandarbhas. 
we've gone through the Tattva Sandarbha. The Tattva Sandarbha primarily dealt with establishing Srimad Bhagavatam as the supreme spiritual literature for our tradition. Of course, Kiva Goswami was pretty adept at logic and reasoning, and he did such a yeoman's task of, of presenting the position of Srimad Bhagavatam that I don't, we, if in studying the Sandarbhas, would have a hard time understanding how any other spiritual practitioner in any other sampradaya could defeat the arguments he's made. So, Tattva Sandarbha, he makes the argument, Srimad Bhagavatam, this is the crest jewel, this is, this is the shining sun of spiritual knowledge. It doesn't get better than this, it's not in the Vedanta Sutra, and if you think it's in the Vedanta Sutra, well, you'll see that all the essence of the Vedanta Sutra is in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Every single sloka is there and presented in the Bhagavat Purana. And, well, it's just the essence. That's, that's all we can say. He's made a case in the Tattva Siddharva. He goes on, in the, and in that case, he comes to this one concluding factor. Viranti tattva vidas tattva myas jnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. All spiritualists have a vision of the Lord, but those visions can, are summarized in this one verse. All these different viewpoints of, Ve, of, of Vedanta, Vedanti Tat Tatva, the Tatva, the way they see Vedanta, is summarized here. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. Well, Brahman, what can we say of it? It has no real characteristics, so there's no need that I put a whole Sandarbha, give you a whole Sandarbha to explain that Brahman is a conception of the Supreme Absolute without specific characteristics. It's just Brahman. It's everywhere, it's everything, it's you're it, everyone's it, it's all it, everything we experience is Brahman, and if you come to the realization that you're Brahman, then you will be relieved of the misconception that you are material in any way. So, no need for a Sandarbha there. Brahmati is covered. Paramatmati. Well, actually, first, Jiva Goswami gives us Bhagavaniti Sabjate. So, first we have Tattva Sandarbha, then we have the Bhagavat Sandarbha to give the conception of the Supreme Absolute Truth comprehensively, and then we get more specifically in the Paramatma Sandarbha. What about the supreme absolute truth as 
primarily understood from, the, from our world viewpoint. When we think of God, when you go into any culture and, they, and you ask, who's God? He's the creator. He's the maintainer. He's the destroyer. Well, all this is encompassed in the Paramatma conception of the supreme absolute truth. So we've gone through the Paramatma Sandarbha. So there's a little bit of a recap. Now let's go to the Krishna Sandarbha. So this is what we're studying. So let's look at the, the may, uh, an overview of the Krishna Sandarbha and then we'll center on where we are right now in the Krishna Sandarbha and then we will go forward through the Anuchetas this evening in subsequent quest, uh, classes. So, Krishna Sandarbha. Basically, we look at the Krishna Sandarbha as having two major divisions. The first is establishing that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, based on the authority of Srimad Bhagavatam and other, and other Vedic literatures. Then, in the second half of the book, what are the primary aspects or facets of this being, Krishna? What's he all about? What's he look like? Who's he live with? Where does he live? What's he do? You know, who is he? If he's Swayam Bhagavan, does he have any specific characteristics? And if he does, what are those that are unique to him as Swayam Bhagavan, as opposed to another conception of the Lord. We've already gone over Paramatma. Paramatma creates the material. From Paramatma, so many manifestations come, and the material energy comes. He displays himself as Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. These all have specific functions in relationship to the material manifestation, and on and on. The way we think of God, as I said, in the world, we think of God as the creator, the maintainer, the destroyer, as, as, as that, that unseen force behind everything, which has specific awareness of our existence in matter. Brahman, the Brahman conception? No, this doesn't. This 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 idea of Paramatma takes us to a different level because the Brahman conception doesn't provide that. Because Brahman is just, it's there, no unique characteristics. All right. So Krishna Swayam Bhagavan and. What are the primary facets of being, of the being of Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna? So let's look at Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. How do we get there? Jiva Goswami begins the Sandarbha by going to the very first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and Sutta Goswami's explanation of the very very various avataric descents in the very third chapter, in the very beginning of the book. Verse after verse, we have all these different avataric descents. Uh, 
We want to review them. Sutta Goswami gives us 22 in 22 successive verses. First, he begins with the whole Paramatma conception in general. God makes everything through the Purushas. And then, after he's made everything, he enters into his creation in various, various avataric descents. Beginning, and he begins with the Kamaras, Varaha Dev, Narda, Narnarayan, Kapila Dev, Dattatreya, Yajna, Rishav Dev, Pritu Maharaj, Macha Dev, Korma, Danvantari, Mohini, Nishringa Dev, Vamana Dev, Parsharam, Krishna Dwipayana Vyas, Sri Ramachandra, Balaram, Krishna, Budi, Kalka, and countless other avatars. But here's some, and then there's countless Avesh manifestations. In the list, he snuck in a couple Avesh manifestations. The Kamaras, they're not God, they're empowered Jivas. Narda, well, Narda's, he was one at one time, way back when. But now he's, well, he's fully spiritual, but he is not, he doesn't, he falls into the category of a Bhagavan. Bhagavan, they sometimes say Bhagavan Narda, but technically speaking, he's empowered with devotion. So he's like this super excellent exemplar of devotion to the extreme. A bit of a rebel rouser, also, but that's another thing. I'm sure he would be, yeah. Now, if we look back and remember the Paramatma Sandarbha and also at the beginning of the Krishna Sandarbha, when the Lord descends in any one of these avataric descents, he brings the whole atmosphere with him. He doesn't, even if a jiva interfaces, jivas, jiva Goswami says, even if a jiva has some interaction with the leela of one of these avatars, they've been completely spiritualized because the Supreme does not really interact with anything that is material. It's, it's like, you know, when a, when a, well, when the Supreme Lord comes in, everything, everything is immediately purified. Even the demons he kills. I mean, every everything that he touches, and even for 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 there be to any interaction, it's it's spiritual interaction and spiritual interaction only. It's a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around sometimes, but 
that's the way Jiva Goswami has presented it earlier in this Krishna Sandarbha. So when Krishna comes, it's like if Krishna was to walk in the room, well, we'd all be we would all be brought up to a level of spirituality where we would be allowed to be in his presence. And he is here. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. And if you have that vision, perfect vision, then you are on that platform. Yes, we'll agree with that. All right, so, beginning of the Krishna Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami first lead, lead, lists all these, and then where does he come to? He comes to this one verse. Iti chamsa kala pumsa krishna stu bhagavata swayam indrani vyakulam lokam ridayanti yuge yuge. All avatars mentioned and not mentioned here who are portions of Mahavishnu or empowered jivas create happiness in the world whenever it is afflicted by the demons and their ideas. But Krishna is the ultimate form of Bhagavan. Seems a little contradictory. But Jiva goes to great lengths to fully explain this. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam concept and fully explain that although the verse talks of all the avatars that are were listed, and even all the avatars that weren't listed by Sutta Goswami, all of them are coming through the agency of Mahavishnu. It's what the verse says. But then there's a qualifier. But Krishna, stu Bhagavan Swayam. But Krishna is the ultimate form of Bhagavan. Ultimate being, ultimate even above Mahavishnu, that Mahavishnu himself is coming through, coming as a result of being an expansion of Krishna. Now, don't try to explain this verse in that way to somebody in the Sri Sampradaya. They'll say that's not in that's not in the verse anywhere. This is simply some Gaudiya conception. Well, if you study the Krishna Sandarbha, you'll see that this Gaudiya conception has been fully explained by and elaborated upon by Jiva Goswami to such an extent that you'd have a hard time arriving at another conclusion a conclusion wherein you simply accepted Krishna as one of the avatars, although he's in the list of avatars. Well, if he's in the list of avatars, he's one of the avatars. No, he's not because of this one light. It's a light. It's more than a light. It's more than just 
It's more than just a lighthouse coming and coming around again and again. No, it is a blazing sun of, of knowledge resting at the very beginning of the Bhagavat Purana. It's, a par, it's the Parivasutra, according to our Gaudiya tradition. Parivasutra meaning what? You, saw, you shine this sutra on everything in the book if you want to understand anything in the book properly. If you read the, if you study the Bhagavat Purana without using this Pariva Sutra as your guiding understanding, you're not going to arrive at the proper conclusion. How are you going to enter into an understanding from the 10th canto of the knowledge Uddhava gained from the gopis in Vraj and the significance of that knowledge unless you see that Brahmara, that song of the bumblebee, Leela, through the light of the Parivasutra. If it's just Krishna's one of the avatars, if he's one of the avatars, why did, why, when we look at the, at the whole 18,000 verses of the Bhagavad Purana, do we find that practically a third of the book is the Leela of Krishna? If he's just one of the rest, why spend so much time on him? So, we don't, another Sampradaya will say, well, that's, that's, that's because you're giving a little too much credit to this Bhagavat Purana. Yeah, we are. It's the son of our Sampradaya. It is, the, it is the essence of the knowledge that we accept regarding the Supreme Absolute Truth. This is the conception, this, this conception of the Absolute Truth as relayed in the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is what we accept. And within this literature, this one little pada Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam lights up the whole literature. And that's our conception. And we're sticking with it. And we appreciate that you like Vishnu or Ram. We, even the Bhagavad, Bhagavad speaks of It's okay. But when it comes to where we're at, we're aspiring to Raga Nuga Bhakti. And the only way we're going to get there is we're going to get there by fully immersing ourselves in this viewpoint that Krishna is 
the supreme, the supreme manifestation of the Lord. And we, we will not deviate from that a bit under any circumstance. And that's what we find Jiva does and repeatedly, no matter what conception, what viewpoint someone may put forward, he will defeat it with this Krishna conception as, as given in the Sandarvas. Yes? He's just another sage. So they don't accept him as being... They can accept everyone's God. They can accept or not accept him. Do they accept him the way we accept him? No. But, you know, they have their own paradas and they, they, give, they give emphasis to those paradic explanations. But when it, when it comes to their conceptualization of the Supreme... It's always based on this Pristanic Trai, which is Bhagavad Gita, uh, uh, the Vedanta Sutra, and the major Upanishads. The, the Puranic presentations, they do not lift up to the level of Shruti. We take Smriti, you could say Smriti of the that the Bhagavad Purana Smriti, they'll put that, we take that, and we put that as the shining sun, which all the Puranas view point towards, which all the Upanishads point towards. That's our that's the Gaudiya conception. So yeah, they it's not that they are just as we're not disrespectful of their viewpoint, we're you know, they're also not disrespectful of of the Gaudiya viewpoint but they won't accept it. I'm sure they have their own Parivasa Sutras. They have their own keys that unlock their, their conceptions. Vision. And it's not that they're wrong. It's just that when they unlock their lock, they're going to end up with a different end than, we're, than we are. It's not that it's they're foolish or our conception is the best. Well, they can give you just as much evidence as why theirs is the best. And if we heard them giving their arguments, we might even like become bewildered by it because they are so skilled in Shastra and quoting this and quoting that, you know. So well, I don't think at this point that we we have a pretty good teacher at hand. We've been schooled pretty well. I've been in in discussions with other very erudite scholars, specifically like you know, that are that are really tuned into the other conceptions. Their arguments pale in comparison with ours from our viewpoint. Yeah, well, no, but, but from their they viewpoint, think that you are, yeah. their argument is very pale. I know, but you're saying that we might become bewildered. I truly think that you're far enough along that that wouldn't happen. That you're 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 pretty fir firmly situated in Gaudiya Vaishnavism after 
40 years of practice not to be, you know, with, with good edge, good association. We're very fortunate in that regard. So I'll take exception. <laughs> they have also been schooled for 40 years plus on their own stuff. So. But they're not going to sway this, you. This is we are saying, why aren't you, you know, why aren't they taking this up? They will have the same exact thing. What is wrong with these Gorgias? Don't they see? It's right here. Yeah. The Sutra, Arigal Sutra. Sweet to them. It's like Gopa Kumar when you read that mental and they were just thinking he had a place, you know, what are you doing in the ride? You know, come join us. We've got some We're so opulent and we're here with God. He's so cool. He's like I'd rather be a cowherd boy. Okay, so quickly we're going to run through this. Maybe we'll get to the verse this evening. Probably not, though. But at least we'll have a good position to, to push forward from. All right, so the first half, Krishna Swayam Bhagavan. First, uh, Jiva goes to, you know, showing us that he's the source of all the Purusha avatars, that he's the source of all the Leela avatars, that he is Swayam Bhagavan, and then... Uh, he takes on the task of making it, giving us a very sound understanding of this Pariva Sutra. And in order to give us this understanding, he brings out an army, a whole army of knowledge in four divisions, just like an army on the battlefield. And that first division is all these statements from the Bhagavat Purana and other Puranas and Vedic statements, Upanishads, to show that Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. First step. So that's the first division of his army. Then he takes this, the, next, the next section, the Calvary, and... Uh, he shows that if we look at the Bhagavat Purana, all the major dialogues are pointed to Krishna. Even if they appear to be talking about something else, their ultimate objective is putting forth the Krishna conception. All the major dialogues in the Bhagavad Yes. We are in that section right now. But we're going to go through the rest of the book before we go back to where we are. The third and fourth divisions of his army are, her, uh, what is it, uh, hermeneutic. Hermeneutic, basically, we're talking about uh, Sanskrit grammatical verification of this knowledge. There's a lot of that in there. We're going to come up to that. And it's it's part of his... I mean, two divisions of his army is this hermeneutic presentation. First, he goes to show that all six pramanas or evidences 
are there in the Bhagavat pointing to this idea of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swaya. What are those six divisions, these six Pramans? Well, first are direct statements, Shruti, then Linga, referential marks. In other words, when you're speaking about something in a sentence, you may not say Krishna, but you, people know what you're talking about. Uh, then Vakya, the syntactical composition is such that you can only arrive at the conclusion that they're talking about Krishna. It's the way the whole thing is put together. Then we have the uh, Pakarana, which is the context or interpretative aspects with the two subdivisions of Stana, the position or the order of words, and Samakya, uh, name. And then one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm sorry, those are the six Pramans. And then the second, the last division, the Sadlinga, is when we look to any literature, no matter what your literature you're reading, there's going to be a primary focus. So that that's repeated again and again. You can't, you know, if you read, I never read it, Great Gatsby. I mean, I've read a lot of books. There's a central character. There's a central theme. There's, you know, there's, there's something that is the core of the presentation. So that's the last of the hermeneutic things. It's called sadlinga. What, what really permeates the literature? So that division of his army goes to show Krishna permeates this literature. So the repetition, uh, repetition of, of the idea of Krishna in every leela and every through every narrator, what they're talking about that permeates the Bhagavat Purana. This is another division of his army to, to reinforce the concept of the Parivas Sutra. Uh, he goes on to uh, give representative statements of the Parivas Sutra that exist throughout the Bhagavat Purana. Then he goes to other literatures. Vedic literatures um, to show that there's a universal concordance in all the scriptures in support of the Parivas Sutra, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. So he goes outside of the Bhagavat Purana. First in the Bhagavat Purana, then he goes outside the Bhagavat Purana and says, and we'll see here in the Mahabharata, and we'll see here. So he's going to do that also for our edification, and that concludes the first half of the book. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So now we have an idea who is the supreme manifestation of the absolute truth as supported in the supreme manifestation of scriptural revelation, the Bhagavat Purana, because it's based on what? the samadhi of Srila Vyasadeva. It's a samadhi bhashya. It's based on a revelation. 
Well, you're putting a lot of credit in one man's revelation. Well, when that man is God, Krishna Dwipayana Vyas, yes, you can do that. That's what our acharyas have taught us, and we have full faith in, in their conception. Like you said, the other kids, what? One man? Look, our, we have so many adwars in our sampradaya, 12, and they saw. They also had their visions, and this is their conception, and this is what our, yeah, okay. Well, so you got us 12 to 1, but look at our 1. <laughs> our 1 was inspired by Narada. Our Narada was inspired by Krishna. So we have our arguments, they have their arguments. All right, so now, then the Krishna Sandarbha goes on to let us enter into a little deeper knowledge of this concept of, Sw of Swayam Bhagavan. Who is he? What, are we, what, what is this Krishna conception? Um, so, first, Jiva Goswami shows us in relation, Krishna in relationship to the uh, uh, Mula Chattavyuha, Chattavyuha, four aspects of the Supreme, Vasudev, Sankarsan, Pradyumna, Aniruddha, how all of them are the Supreme Lord. Uh, they're not incarnations like the other avataric descents described at the beginning, back in the third chapter of the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Um, all, that the, all of the avatars are within this Krishna conception that when he descends they're all there um, then he talks about Swayam Bhagavan's form in this most highest conception and his abode in three different aspects Dwarka, Mathura and Vrindavan Kabokakula then he talks about his associates the Yadavas and the Rajavasis. Then he talks about his Leelas, both Prakat and Aprakat. I mean, Krishna Sandarbha is going to get us into some pretty, some pretty deep understandings of Krishna from an ontological viewpoint, but it's not going to be free of entrance into Leela. Then he goes on to explain Swayam Bhagavan Shaktis, in two aspects, the Mahishis, these are the queens of Dwarka, and the Gopis. And he ends Krishna Sandarbha with his discussion of the Gopis. And then we enter into, well, now we know where we want to be, who we want to be with, how do we get there? Well, that takes another Sandarva. Then he gives us the presentation of the Bhakti Sandarva, which gives us how to turn our consciousness fully to the Supreme Lord, turning of consciousness from without to within. That he does in the Bhakti Sandarva, but he does it in a, in a, it's a different approach than Srila Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, it's a it's an approach that's more more ontologically 
grounded in that uh, complete in-depth uh, explanation of all the limbs of bhakti as Rupa Goswami put them forward, but he illuminates them through the Bhagavat Purana. Remember this. Sandarbhas, even the word Sandarbha means to bring out the essence. So Jiva Goswami is bringing out the essence of the Bhagavat Purana. So this is what the word Sandarbha means, to bring out the essence, and he's bringing out the essence of, well, it's either called the, it's called the uh, Sandarbhas, six Sandarbhas, or the Bhagavat Sandarbha as opposed to Bhagavat Sandarbha being the, the second of the Sandarbhas and, and referring to, to the Supreme Lord, one of his manifestations as Bhagavan, but Bhagavat Sandarbha is applied to all six Sandarbhas because it's based on the Bhagavat Sandarbha, Bhagavat Purana. theology that we explain something in a way that we've it's a scientific approach to theism where we can explain something based on on principles put forth in scripture but we see that the principles put forth in scripture are reflected and 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 if seen properly also fully verifiable in the world around us. And we see even the Bhagavad Purana relies on presenting it somewhat in that way in the 12th canto when we look to uh, the, the yogi who, who sees, he sees all these principles of devotion in, in the nature that he's surrounded by. So it's not devoid of also a very natural understanding. We say we surrender to Guru. Guru also is in the world around us when we develop the proper vision to see. So that's also there in the Bhagavad Gita. You can also see Guru here. You may see him in a form sitting in front of you, enlightening you, but he's also... He's in the trees, he's in the wind. You can see him in the actions of the world and the actions of the living entities' involvement in the world. You can also attain this, some, some re revelation there. So we will go back to this Parivasutra as presented in the army of... Uh, where, where are we? We're in the second division. That Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavat's major dialogues. So that's where we are in this whole summary that we've just given. And we will go back to that 64th Anacheta in detail when we get together next time. Any questions? Yes. You mentioned, um, well, I mean, I've been hearing that Balaram, um, when the Balaram sends all the, he's the one that manifests all the eternal associates, 
and Mahavishnu manifests all the Jesus. So why does he manifest? I mean, like, how come Balaram's not the one that manifests the Avatar? He does. Through Mahavishnu. Well, he is. He is. That's yeah. a manifest. That's a different. Yeah. Ma it's a different manifestation of. of you know. I was just thinking because I thought only that Mahavishnu, well, that's what I thought I heard from Padmanabhaswami, that only Mahavishnu only manifests the Jesus and Balaram only manifests the eternal associates. So the Jesus. Well, if you, we want to, if we want to get into, again, it's a matter of nomenclature, it's a matter of, of um, when we look at any of these kind of statements, and this is really important for us. We look at any of these statements. It's not that these statements are are in conflict. We have to see them in context, and if we see them in the con in the in the context of where they're presented, what's being discussed, under what in what way, is it a general, a broad description, or is it a more narrow description in that particular part of of what's coming? from the guru and his discussion or is it coming through a literature that we're studying so it could be focused and if we look to a focused viewpoint what does Balaram do well we can say that you know uh, he's he's the primarily Sundini potency the Sundini potency provides the environment for Krishna's Leela in the uh, Prakat so all all of the, he's manifesting everything the groundwork for that leela but he's also he's also he's also part of the chaturvyuha so when we look at the chaturvyuha then where's balaram in that in that concept vasudev sankarshan pradyumna and anuruddha so where's he fit in when we look at the at the vaikuntha viewpoint and where does he fit in when we look at the Purusha viewpoint so he's still that aspect of the supreme that the supreme personality of servitor servitor godhead that does everything that we would think God does because he doesn't want God to have to bother with all that Break the Dunda. Krishna shouldn't have to worry about making universes and liberating. No. He should just be within his, in his Leela. So I'll do all that. I'll take care of Vaikuntha. I'll take care of the Purusha avatars. I'll become this. I'll become that. And if he decides to come and play in the world, well, I'll become his shoes. I'll become his slippers. I'll become his, you know, I'll be the bed that he lays on at night. Because... He's my younger brother, and I got to look out for him. So, yeah, just yeah. Tech, it, how are we looking at Balaram? Looking at it in the big Balaram? We looking at a more specific Balaram? We looking at it when he does with this, or when he works with that energy? Works in this capacity, or when he serves in that capacity? Does that help? Thank you very much for your association.